we got the alternative energy. free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Radioactive Show. I'm Jessie. On the show this week, we hear about a major national touring exhibition titled Black Mist Burnt Country, which commemorates the 60th anniversary of the British Atomic Test series at Maralinga in South Australia. It revisits the events and its locations through the artworks by Indigenous and non-Indigenous contemporary artists across the mediums of painting, printmaking, sculpture, installation, photography and new media. The work is currently in development with funds from NETS Victoria, Visions of Australia, which is the Ministry of the Arts, and the Gordon Darling Foundation. The works in this exhibition collectively span a period of seven decades. From the first use of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and into the post-World War II era, through the times of anti-nuclear protest in the 1980s to the present day. The exhibition is planned to commence in September 2016 at the SH Irvin Gallery in Sydney and tour nationally to public galleries and museums across five states in 2017 and 2018. We speak with the curator of this exhibition, J.D. Mittman, from Burringer Gallery in Upway, who takes us through the ideas around the exhibition and some of the works included. We also talk with Paul Ogier, a New Zealand and Australian photographer, who has photographed Maralinga and Emu Field several times. And we also speak to Warren Paul, an Anangu artist from Yalata community in far west South Australia. Thanks for tuning in. Stay with us. Let's now hear from JD. What led you to undertake such a major touring exhibition? Um... I work as a curator for Barringer Cultural Centre in Upway in the Denong Ranges on the outskirts of Melbourne. Um, we do have a small collection of Aboriginal art. It was donated to Yarra Ranges Council by a local artist and collector some time ago. The collection contains a large painting by an artist named Jonathan Kamenjara Brown, a stolen generation Pichinjara man from Oldia, um, a United Mission station in South Australia. It is titled Marilinga Before the Atomic Test. Well, before the test, I wondered, and I wondered what else he had painted after the tests. And in fact, he did. He did quite a large body of works that um, that reflect on that subject matter and, and the events. Jonathan learned that he had family um, when he grew up with a foster family in, in, in Sydney, um, and he learned what had happened to his people, you know, the displacement, destruction of country um, later in his life, um, which set him out on a path to create this body of works, which depict the story of the atomic tests. Um, he was mentored by Lynn Onus and Neil McLeod, another artist. Um, from all I can gather, it's the largest body of artworks in the country related to the theme of atomic testing. Mm. All right. And so you saw this and you thought... Hey, there must be more to this story. Well, I was, yes. I, 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 personally, I didn't know much about um, the tests myself. I had come across Yami Lester's biography in the 1990s when I traveled Australia, mm-hmm. um, where he briefly mentions the tests in the latter part of his book. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it didn't really kind of stir me up. Um, it, it was just a concept too large to mm. to comprehend, really. Mm. And and of course, the, there was no geographic connection that I could make. Mm. Um, it was just later um, when when I found Jonathan's work in our collection that prompted me to research this mm -hmm. this topic and find out more about it. And so what did you what did you find out? What what kind of artists were responding to the nuclear age in Australia? Who were they and you know it's you say it spans the past 7 decades. So what work has been made in that Yeah, the, the, there's quite a number of artists as over the the years since World War 2 really have um depicted the tests or made reference to atomic testing in Australia or otherwise in their works. Um, it's not a huge number of artists. The first one probably um, worth mentioning is um, here, uh, the Melbourne Expressionist Albert Tucker, um, one of the Heidi artists who painted watercolor paintings in Hiroshima where he went as an Australian army correspondent. Um, it, that experience made a deep impression on him that stayed with him for the rest of his life and is reflective to many of other um, Albert Tucker's works. Um, but he was not the only one. Less unknown probably is Lieutenant Reginald Rote, who was part of the medical history section of the Australian War Memorial and, like Tucker, witnessed a completely destroyed, devastated city. Um, and this is what he documented in his watercolor paintings. Mm. Um, these are held in the Australian War Memorial now and will be part of the exhibition. Mm. So the other artist worth mentioning is Yota Yota artist Lynn Onus, who was the first Aboriginal artist to respond directly to Marilinga. His father, Bill Onus, mm. was a Yota Yota man from the Murray River, a well-known entrepreneur and political activist who had protested in the 1950s with um, Pastor Doug Nichols against the establishment of the Woomera rocket range mm. and atomic tests in South Australia. Mm. So it seems more than likely that Lynn was inspired by his father's actions and in the latter part of his artistic career, he created a life-size fiberglass sculpture. Mm. It shows an Aboriginal woman shielding her child from the atomic blasts. Mm. Um, that's a very powerful rendition. It's on display and in the collection of the mm. Art Gallery of Western Australia in Perth. Mm, yeah, I've seen it, not in, not in physical life, but I've only seen it in print, and even that is powerful, so I can imagine what it looks like when you see it. That's right, and it's a very accessible um, sculpture in the way that, that, that is very emotive and, and, and um, you know, almost tangible. It's mm. a very mm. humane response. Mm. Of course, it, in, in life it wouldn't have happened that, but mm. like this, but you, mm. you can imagine that um, the inspiration to create um, 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 this, this sculpture in a way how mm. the woman protects the child from, from mm. the atomic blast is mm. um, it's been taken from the Hiroshima experience mm. and, and the reports mm. of, of, of what had happened there. So mm. Lynn must have taken some, some ideas mm. from that. Yeah, and also the very poignant kind of the black mist coming in the you know, people's confusion around that, but that sculpture kind of signifies that, that she knows that it's danger, I guess, at the time that nobody knew that it was danger. Yeah, that well, that's mm. right. Mm. So, I mean, that, there, that, there's a lot of levels in mm. there that, that speak quite, quite mm. loudly. I mean, it's also um, an overarching um, humane response, mm. really, that, you know, you would find in, mm. across the world a, mm. a mother would 
protect the child. Yeah. So, but it's also face on. I mean, she faces mm. the mm. glass. It's not like both take shelter mm. from it. So mm. there's also something that speaks out yeah. in a way of standing up and facing mm. facing the threat. Mm. And, and mm. you know, when did Lynn make that? that uh, well. Lynn's work was really the first Aboriginal response to the theme in an artistic way. Mm. Um, and that was made in the 1990s, 1990. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> Lynn had influenced um, other artists as well, mm. um, and namely uh, Jonathan Kamenjar Brown, who was a member of the Stolen Generations. Um, Jonathan grew up with foster parents in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and only later in his life um, searched for his parents and found them in in um, Yalata. And mm. he, he learned, um, f first of all, he couldn't speak their language. He learned he had a brother that he didn't know about. And then he learned, of course, ab about the removal um, of his mm. people, you know, the Anu Pichinjara from their traditional lands mm. in the Great Victoria Desert in mm. South Australia. Mm. Learned about the atomic tests and the destruction of the country. Mm. Um, and by all accounts, there was extremely traumatic experience for him. So um, mm. uh, Fabian Peel, who was a nurse in the local community at the health center at the time, mm. took him around in the car and showed him all the places, the former mission station. Mm. And they went um, to the former uh, test site and, and some other significant sites um, you know, for the local indigenous people there. And, and um, um, by what... Fabian reported, Jonathan was crying the whole way. You're listening to The Radioactive Show and we're talking to J.D. Mittman from Burringer Cultural Centre in Upway, Victoria and curator of a major national touring exhibition called Black Mist Burnt Country which commemorates the 60th anniversary of the Maralinga nuclear tests in South Australia. It brings together over 30 artists who have dealt with the issue and it will launch in September 2016. Let's hear more from JD. Well, let's talk more about some of the other artists that have been dealing with Maralinga and I guess the nuclear age since Hiroshima, since Maralinga. What, what other artists are there that are included in Black Miss Burnt Country and... I mean, what have you seen in terms of trends or in the way that people have responded to these issues? Well, from my perspective as curator who researched that chapter of Australian history or art history, you know, there's probably four distinct periods um, which produced an artistic response um, um, that can be, you know, char characterized um, and and and. and these periods are probably a result of the zeitgeist at the time. So the first one is is the um, post World War Two period, you know, with the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which Albert Tucker and Radina Roll witnessed. Well, not the bombing, but you know the, the effects of it, and and rendered into paintings. Um, th there's a number of other artists that come from this period that was all grouped around Heidi here in Melbourne, um, Arthur Boyd, um, who in the 1970s, though, included the Mushroom Cloud and part of his Shoalhaven um, series that he painted. And there's certainly um, Sidney Nolan, um, who um, made references also in his Central Desert mm. um, series that he painted partly after his travels through Central Australia, then later on in London. Um, 
But um, here's a group of artists who are all um, somewhat influenced by the World War Two and 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 the devastation and the, and the atrocities um, that that they knew about. Mm. Um, the second period is probably can be described of artists that come out of a political movement driven by environmental issues, feminists, agendas, and the like in the 19, late 1970s, early 1980s, mm. um, who were predominantly working in various screen printing workshops around the country and produced a whole lot of um, uh, protest posters um, about various of those issues. Um, and and uh, of course Hiroshima, the anniversary of Hir the Hiroshima bombing was one issue that was picked up there. But there were also um, in the booming um, or growing um, uranium mining um, industry, th there was protest against that that was um, mm. addressed in those posters as well um, um, as the French atomic tests in the Pacific. So these were issues amongst others that um, a group of artists – um, took on in that period. Um, and then there's certainly a, um, a group um, in the 1990s, starting with Lynn Onus and his uh, Marilinga sculpture, mm. influencing other artists. And um, um, while the Aboriginal art movement was finding its feet and, and, and uh, finding commercial um, success in the 1990s and was booming, mm. um, it, it's not surprising that some of the issues that were related to their own history on you know, the removal of lands and the destruction um, through atomic tests was addressed in in those paintings too. Mm -hmm. So suddenly in the 1990s you find a number of Aboriginal artists that that make um, reference um, to to this. Mm. Um, and then there's the fourth period, which I would call the present day mm. period, where contemporary artists of all walks of life, so to speak, um, different origins. Mm. Um, in different mediums, um, mm. find the um, find the the topic and and address it in in, in their various ways, mm. and we reflect this in the exhibition um, by including some of their work. So there's of course um, traditional painting, mm. um, as well as photography, new media works, sculptural works, three D works. So. Um, all these, even even a, um, a musical composition, mm. will be included. Mm. Um, so all these take Marilinga as, mm. as the theme, and of course Marilinga stands here as a um, 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 quasi stands for all the mm. the different test sites yeah. in test sites in Australia, of which there were three, of course. Mm. It's so interesting. Was there? I mean, what do you think? in terms of political acts or social kind of events, political events over the history that kind of reinvigorated people's um, inspiration to re reference Maralinga? What is it that happened at those certain times? I mean, I guess the 70s and 80s are kind of self-evident when, you know, feminism and politics was kind of having a, you know, reinvigorated kind of, I don't know, uh, investigation, I guess, and kind of looking at things differently. But what about now? Why are... So many artists responding to Marilinga now. What is what is happening? Well, <clears throat> I mean, if you compare this with the 1950s, there were fewer artists around. Um, artists were less informed, really. Um, and and on top of that, of course, we shouldn't forget 
atomic tests in the 1950s were applauded here. Mm. You know, the, the media was enthusiastic about it. It's ecstatic, really, that this was happening. I mean, it's the kind, the time of the Cold War, right? Mm. You know, the, the Korean War was on the horizon already happening. You know, there was a perceived communist threat. Um, people were in favor of nuclear tests. And, and at the same time, the effects of the tests on, on the landscape, you know, contamination, long-term contamination of landscape, um, the, the effects on health of those people, you know, being military or civilian um, that, that worked in those programs were not very well studied, mm. um, even though they, they might have been known about, but, but they weren't taken serious at the time, certainly mm. not by the authorities. All that has changed, and um, you know, these days, the present-day artists know about these things, of course, a lot more than than that was the case in previous generations. Mm. Um, you know, all these artists have a much de more developed skill base these days. They've got access to information, mm. um, to site visits, and and photography and newsreels and all these things that inform um, their work. Mm. Um, so, of course, there's also, I think. Um, a uh, consciousness amongst certain artists um, to address these issues, you know, being it environmental issues or being these uh, anti-nuclear or um, or the like. Um, um, therefore, of course, you know, we see um, in the exhibition a much broader field of responses um, in recent work than possibly, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Looking for a new You're tuned into the Radioactive Show, and we're hearing from curator J.D. Mittman talking about a major national touring exhibition that he is planning to launch in 2016, which reflects issues of the atomic age in Australia. We're now going to hear from Anangu artist Warren Dancha Paul, who is included in the exhibition Black Mist Burnt Country. Warren is a line drawing artist and sculptor who has most recently began a new series of drawings and sculptures in reference to the Maralinga atomic tests as a result of a mentorship with Sajuna Art Centre's Pam Dement. This is, it's all hollow. This is basically a tube, so a pedestal. And then I put a plate across it, and this is a bowl that's upside down. And then I've just um, filled it in with clay and then made it nice and smooth. So yeah, that's basically Warren is describing the process of making a sculpture which is an image of a large atomic bomb cloud from Maralinga in South Australia. Yeah, it's coil built. And then I, I just burnish it either with a spoon or this little uh, gadget. And it gives it a nice... It'll actually go pink when you fire it first. And then you fire it again, it'll go back to white. Get the, if not, pink is great. Then I can uh, glaze it. Oh, that's just to, sh to get. Um, I didn't want to make it too nice, it's just to show that it's um, you know representing death and uh, destruction. Yeah. So that's, that's just the scales, it? just for that, and give it some uh, character, I guess. The atomic bomb is, is a, it's only got one use. 
and that is to kill people and cause death and destruction. It's a, it's a pointless thing. They should be banned. That's this, so this is basically a muse. That's what I was doing it in the beginning. But I thought I'd do it properly and then have it as a model by itself. Because it's come out alright. So yeah, it's basically a muse for a drawing, but I might keep it as a single piece. That makes sense? Because I want this blowing up the country, blowing up culture in the country, see? So it's going to be, um, and I was going to call it day one, because it's the beginning of whatever we are in now. It, it changed everything. Especially if you blow an atomic bomb up in someone's country, <laughs> it kind of gets in the way. You just heard from Anangu artist Warren Tancha Paul from Yalata in far western South Australia. We recorded that while we were at the Sejuna Art Centre in 2014. He is currently producing work for the national touring exhibition Black Mist Burnt Country, which will begin in 2016. Let's hear from another artist included in that exhibition, Paul Ogier, originally from New Zealand but now based between Australia and California. Paul produced a series of photographic works at Emu and Maralinga called Ten Miles. I spoke to him via Skype while he was in just south of San Francisco about the methods and ideas in his work. I mean, I sort of, I guess I hit the work through uh, an interest in, in colonialism um, and influence on the land. And uh, the more I sort of dug through previous work and encountered uh, more these sort of forgotten spaces, you realise just how interesting it is and the problems and the way that we can and, and sometimes can't read the land. Um, and in some sense, the atomic testing and, and the test sites are probably the most extreme example of uh, where that can go and the complications uh, that are put across the land in that you can't see them. Mm. Um, and what I suddenly, where I became really interested in, uh, looking at this is, is trying to understand the, the international context um, and the fact that all of this was happening in Australia, um, affecting the region, but it was also integral to the world. I mean, it happened in amongst the Cold War, uh, probably at, at its most heated in the background where people just weren't seeing what was going on. Mm. And I think today, you know, these are incredibly complicated spaces. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's where it's heading, I think Australia's behind the world in terms of how it's being discussed or not being discussed. Um, mm. And I think it's important that, you know, people look at it um, and each, each person will come to it slightly differently and hopefully catch up on the dialogue mm. um, with the sensitivity to the, the people uh, of the land who um, I think still don't really want to uh, discuss it. Mm. Um, and, you know, that has to be respected too. Yeah, it is very much, I guess it's very interesting to point out the invisibility of both radiation and I guess the issue in, in the Australian context. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, you know, when you stand in front of your first ground zero and you, you realise where you're standing um, and you're trying to read 
the space in relation to, you know, the declassified documents and trying to understand actually what went on, you know, if it's still dangerous, first and foremost. Um, th- for me, the, the, the work that I make isn't about that tight location, um, but the stuff that's happening around it. Um, and I guess what I became particularly interested in is the space in a way as it tries to heal and you know, healing is, is probably a difficult word to use, but it's pushing beyond it. And um, the radiation in some sense, it has become invisible, but it is completely in, uh, visible at the same time to technology. Um, and I think that's a, it's an incredible paradox mm. that's just been left out in the desert. Um, and so to stare at those spaces um, and in, in relation to images like One Tree, you know, that road is the photographic road. It was cut for photographers. It's about photography. Mm. Um, and so you have these references that are still in the desert that make it such a problematic space because you can't actually see where you're going. Mm. Um, and that's a key to everything. So making an image out there, you can stand back um, and, and just let the light fall. You're listening to The Radioactive Show and we just heard from photographer Paul Ogier talking about his work 10 Miles, which was made in Maralinga and Emu Field. Some of this work will be included in the exhibition Black Mist Burnt Country. We will delve more into this exhibition in another edition of The Radioactive Show and learn more about the work and the artists within it. But in the meantime, if you want to find out more about it, head to www.blackmistburntcountry.com.au That's blackmistburntcountry.com.au The music we've been hearing on this show is by Yalla to Voices. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week for more nuclear issues from around the globe. I'm Jessie Boylan and let's now end with a little more from J.D. Mitman. Well, it is interesting researching and, and developing this exhibition because whoever I talk to um, either knows about these things and is very much in favor and say, well, this is an important story that needs to be told mm. or doesn't know anything at all, really. Mm. I mean, some people might have heard about Marilinga, mm. but if you ask them to put a finger on the map, they mm. wouldn't be able to do that. Mm. And they certainly don't know how many nuclear devices were exploded mm. in Australia. Mm. And they're certainly not aware that 600 so-called minor tests devastated Mm. a large area Mm. um, of the country with plutonium that had to be massively cleaned up and Mm. will have um, consequences for decades to come. Mm. That's right. Okay, so given that we've got all of this um, work, what do you think that you, um, I guess in terms of by showing all of this work, what what is your aim for for the tour itself, for the accompanying events that go along with it and for the overall kind of message, I suppose, if that's, if that's the, the way in which you, you know, will develop this tour? I'm in the process of producing a touring exhibition, which is essentially an art exhibition. Um, it will launch in September 2016, which marks the 60th anniversary of the first British test at Marilinga and travel to 10 venues in five states, if successful. Um, It provides an immersive environment for visitors to learn about this part of history um, through the artistic responses on display, the various artists and their works, but also through various levels of interactive media. So visitors in the space and online will be able to learn about the history of the atomic tests in Australia, why they were conducted here and what it means, the 
the legacies, if you like. Of course, I will hope I hope that visitors will come, enjoy, and learn something you know, about Australia's history and the atomic tests conducted here and what that means. Um, but of course, there's more to the story. And, and of course, it's also just so much you can fit in an exhibition. So if we can trigger something here that leads people to look elsewhere, um, to find out more, um, to be aware of these issues, then I think a lot is achieved. Um, the, the idea is, of course, that we make the exhibition accessible to a younger generation as well through the means of, of interactive um, tools and and online. So hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll find a, uh, an interested audience here. Mm. Um, well, perhaps it's sort of you know, opportune to quote Picasso. Yeah, <laughs> um, of course, who uh, who painted his monumental Guernica piece as a response to. Um, the German bombing of the Basque town um, as part of the Spanish Civil War um, prior to um, the outbreak of World War II. And um, he's reported to have said, painting is not done to decorate apartments. It's an instrument of war. Mm. So if artists um, can create works that speak loudly about issues that that are of relevance and that are important to us as humanity mm. um, and if we can gather them in an exhibition and make that interesting and exciting for people um, if they come and have a look at these things I think then then a lot is achieved Soldiers moved them on down towards the sea.